0: Hi, and welcome to Think Compliance, brought to you by Compliatric and Ahmed Salim. My name is Dagmar Austin, and, and today we are talking about difficult conversations, I think something we all struggle with, and um, how to manage them. Our new listeners think compliance was created in order to assist compliance professionals in building their program. During every podcast, we will discuss a new compliance issue and provide insight on how to ensure your organization is following best practices. Now it's important to note that the information provided in our podcasts are not the opinion are the opinions, definitely, are the opinions of our presenters. Uh, It should not be considered legal advice. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at Think Comply. Let's get started, Ahmed. Let's have a difficult conversation.
1: Let's do it, Dagmar.
0: <laughs> How are you doing today?
1: Good, good. You know, I uh, I know I requested the topic, so I'll kind of give you kind of some background. So, you know, ever since I've been in compliance, we've always we've always or I've always had to deal with this concept of difficult conversations right if you're doing an investigation you may have an employee who's on edge you may have um you know you may have to walk through some questions that may not be easy someone who may have you know committed a policy violation or someone you know that is on the verge of being terminated um you know that's that's one um maybe uh, investigating or having to deal with situations with people in higher management when, you know, you're not in that position. So this concept of difficult uh, conversation has always been on the forefront of my mind. And a lot of great books out there for people. There's a short, quick read called Crucial Conversations. Um, You know, that really helps kind of Talk. I just read a book called The Conversational Firm that talks about ways to do that. Um, but it, it's something that I think every compliance officer should really, uh, you know, think about and try to try to work on.
0: Tell me more. So Crucial Conversations, what does that cover about, you know, best ways to manage uh, difficult conversations?
1: Well, I, I think I think I'll just give more just a high level. Right. So when you think about the art of dialogue, you think about the ways to approach a situation. Um, you know if you're if you're having a discussion with an employee that may be terminated right obviously the employee is aware of the circumstances you're aware of the circumstances they may be on edge right they may be unhappy they may not want to answer questions depending on your organization there may be union representation right it creates an environment that you have to be aware of right and that's a that's a initial concept when you think about idea of a difficult dialogue. What are you doing to put yourself in a better position to handle that dialogue well? Um, we've talked about investigations before. I just had a, a Compliance Today article about it a few months ago, but when you're conducting an investigation, right, preparation is always going to be your friend. And when you think about that in the sense of difficult dialogue, right, planning out questions and really trying to understand how the conversation can go is always a critical first step.
0: So as far as understanding like what kind of environment they'll be in so you can maybe preempt that and make it a better experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, obviously someone's going to maybe be a bit smart, right? It's that that understanding and the preparation. And what I mean by that is if you know someone may be terminated, you're going to have to come in warm and empathetic right sometimes it's not easy because as compliance professionals we kind of get this idea of you know this this police mentality where we're so cutthroat and you violated policy and blah 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 not everything that is a policy violation may result in a termination that you think is that clear cut and you've got to have the dialogue and make sure that you're having that open dialogue and that can only happen if you're coming in with the appropriate state of mind and preparation. So, um, you know, if someone is hostile, we can't be hostile back. We're just trying to elicit information. And there's a way to communicate their appreci- your appreciation of getting that information without coming back and having them feel like you're attacking them based on what, you know, what may have happened. Um, so, there's a lot of tricks tips and there's a lot of practice that goes into this art of the dialogue um, you know and that's just for investigations when you're talking about giving bad news to leadership in a presentation right the way that you present it the presentation uh, deck right the visuals right breaking down information in a way that's digestible for people like there's a lot of components that make up uh, this concept of uh, difficult dialogue to ensure that you have the best possible outcome, especially since we deal with such complicated matters.
0: There's a practice exercise that Harvard put out, I believe it's called the didactic dialogue. And what I thought was interesting in that is you go through a series of um, questions that you ask, um, you know, you ask another person and, um, and then have them repeat Back to you, uh, what they thought, how they understood what you said, um, and I went through this kind of exercise um, uh, with a friend of mine, and it's it's interesting to see how people interpret, you know, what what how they th- you know how they understood what your your thought or your answer was. Um, so like human beings in general, we have so many ways of interpreting data, and uh, and it was interesting because uh, once I, you know, f- could realize how this person was hearing me, my thoughts, I could then, you know, in the future going forward and just speaking with them, um, you know, I-, I could understand how they're going to accept it or understand it.
1: That's such an important uh, article, and I think we should probably share the link. So I first came across this concept at my days at Deloitte consulting, because you're dealing with different stakeholders and different organizations, right? Like everything is so crucial. Every time I communicated with any clients, it was important that it was done articulately, clearly, right? And the message was clear. Then also internally, right? You're dealing with different managers on different projects. The term that I often use and I was told to use is this idea of managing up. Right. So like you just said, if if you are communicating something to your boss, a good exercise to make sure they understand it, right, is to say, you know, to make sure that that, you know, to clarify what it is that you're saying. If your boss is saying something to you like, hey, I want the slides by Tuesday for the presentation, you come back and say just to make sure I heard you correctly. This is what you're saying and this is what you want me to do. Right. It sounds kind of redundant. But if you really think about the number of times unclear communication has put you in a position where you may have missed a deadline, may have missed the goal of a project assigned to you, right? may have uh, you know fudged up a conversation because the two individuals, a part of it, are communicating two different things. Um, so that's where it kind of started. Um, I'm actually doing uh, a master's in communication right now, and this is a big part of it and I am doing this program because I honestly do believe the art of communication and how we communicate in compliance is so crucial. And I would honestly recommend to any compliance professional that has the ability to do so, to really, if you can take a class, do the program. It, it's just, it's, it's an art and it takes practice and it takes a lot of understanding of what, what is involved to really have these difficult dialogues and kind of be successful with
0: them. It takes a lot of patience too. You know, I, I've had quite a few difficult conversations with clients or what have you. And um, I found on, on my end, having the power of patience and quietness and silence almost, I found that has given me a lot more power uh, and control rather than, you know, feeding into some kind of um, potentially abusive dialogue or what have you. Do you have any tips, Ahmed, for, um, you know, how to how to be more clear in your conversation, how to uh, prepare for these difficult conversations, especially in compliance when you know it's coming up.
1: So if I understand you correctly, Dagmar, you want me to clarify what we're talking about, provide examples, and then kind of conclude on what the important message is. Like that's the type of stuff that you'd want to do when you're having a dialogue, is repeating to make sure that we're both on the same page. Um, you know, and, I know, it was it was kind of weird that I just did that, but you know it's a great exercise. No, I
0: love that. That was a real world example. I love it.
1: <laughs> it's one of those exercises that you know um, you work on within your department, right? If you're if you're the head of the department or if you're in a department, you ask your manager, your director, whoever. Um, hey, can we practice this? Because it's like that game of telephone when we were children. It's you start. You start the game with the phrase, and by the time the last individual has it, something else completely different comes out of the mouth, right? And that's the real world, and that happens in dialogue all the time. Um, You know, there's oftentimes, even in our podcast, right? One of our podcasts just recently, you asked me what a specific phrase I kept saying meant. In my mind, that phrase is very clear. In your mind, and probably our listeners' minds, they're probably like, what the heck is he talking about? Um, and we're not having a difficult dialogue, but, you know, we're still having a dialogue and we need to make sure that everyone's clear and understands what it is the message is. Um, so, you know, I think looking at that exercise that you'll post from Harvard Business, um, you know, and really working through and making sure that you are taking your time to understand what it is that's being talked about and communicating, asking questions if you don't.
0: Yeah, I will post a that um, the article from Harvard, I, I misspoke earlier, it's called The Dyadic Encounter, um, if anyone's interested interested in looking it up. Ahmed, what, do you, what are your recommendations as far as, you know, if you know you have to have a serious conversation with somebody and perhaps they're more of a private person, like, I guess I don't know exactly what my question is, but how do you manage, you know, understanding if somebody uh, will be embarrassed by the conversation, so to make sure you have it in private, or to, you know, not post anything on a company chatter thread that, you know, um, might feel like the person's being called out? Well, I
1: think you answered that perfectly, right? Like, depending on the conversation, right, environment is important. You know, if you're having a conversation about something that may terminate someone, you know, having that discussion in a wide open place may not make sense. But at the same time, taking them to A secluded area or make him feel uncomfortable with like four other people listening in may not be the best either right so typically it it just is a subjective case-by-case scenario but i think the important part is practicing and understanding the art of you know clearly communicating what you're trying to get at to the individual if it's an investigation or if they're dealing with something and make sure they understand why you're asking these questions. I start every single investigation, even the ones that are contentious, the ones I know that the people are on edge, they've been dodging me for, you know, a little while to, to meet or their union rep is involved. I start every conversation explaining who I am, what I do, why we're there and then letting them know I'm going to be taking notes. Right. That kind of sets the tone and kind of, Um, you know disengages people nothing's worse than walking in for someone and then all of a sudden just jumping into questions or you come in and you have your laptop out and you're literally typing every word someone says that makes people feel uncomfortable what doesn't make feel people what doesn't make people feel uncomfortable is if you tell them about that and they expect it and it's this this idea of oh they told me they're going to type notes it makes sense i'm not too worried about what they're typing now And it's like tips like that, you know, steps like that really help kind of have that difficult conversation and really get the information. And the point of all of this is to make sure that you actually get the information you want out of the individual. Because if you don't, if you're not particularly, you know, communicating or if you come in cold, if you're just not being empathetic, people aren't going to open up. You're not going to get the stuff you need out of them um, to really complete your investigation or whatever conversation you're having
0: so for those of us who don't have a master's in communication can you give me like the top five or six uh cool things you've learned about uh the art of conversation
1: wow you're really putting me on the spot Um, (laughs) well so i will say i will say the 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 book and the reading that that has stuck out to me the most is a book called save me the plums um and it's really about this Story about the editor of uh, a uh, of gourmet magazine and how she didn't really feel like she was a leader and how she came into this editor position and how her how her management style was and it's a quick read and it's just a really awesome way that she she writes this book where she shows different different angles of how people manage and lead and some people may come off cold or more business a type right. It doesn't mean that someone who's introverted or a type can't have a conversation or comes off cold and can't really break the ice. There's just a certain way that they do it and they make sure people understand that the way they're behaving isn't anything against them. Or if you're an extrovert and sometimes you say things or you're a bit loose, right? And maybe people don't think you're professional, right? Like there's ways to establish yourself as a leader. And that book does a great job telling stories, um, you know at such a high level of authority right editor of gourmet magazine is a small position Um, so that was a great book and a great way to understand that different different styles of leadership work as long as you're making it work for you Um, second that there is an art to dialogue right and there's a way to communicate and there's a way not to communicate to people Um, third right data we you know we we had this amazing course on extracting data, compliance professionals, we have our data with audits, we have our data with incidents, right? Are you extracting the data you need to actually utilize it to your advantage? And after that, how are you presenting your data? How are you communicating your data? And is your communication of this data actually effective? Um, and then your network, right? Like your network internally within your organization and your network externally right? If you're conducting investigations, you're trying to build your program, are you consistently and routinely networking internally and making those connections and building those relationships so people feel comfortable with who you are? They're remembering compliance does this, it does that, or it's easy to kind of ask questions, reach out. And the same for your external network. At the end of the day, we're all going to want to leverage someone in our network Maybe there's a job we want. Maybe there's an article we want to write or speak at a conference. So it's important to really build that network up.
0: I think I'll be using some of those tips in my next uh, set of perhaps difficult conversations. And these, you know, these kind of tips, they can be helping you in all areas of life, really.
1: Oh, yeah, that's for sure.
0: Anything else you wanted to add for our listeners uh, before we close up?
1: I think it. I think it'd be great if they check out that article and use it as an exercise, um, you know, within their teams. Because I think people would be really surprised with how how much they can learn to be a better communicator once they start really working at it. Because no one is a perfect communicator. Um, everyone, it's a skill that you're always going to be working at. You can ask my wife; she will tell you times <laughs> that I can be so much better at it.
0: Yeah, I think I remember one of my professors and. Uh, psychology at uh, a at university he said um, humans mostly want to feel and be understood that always, that always kind of left an impact on me well thank you all for uh, joining us for this episode of Think Compliance do you want to join us for our next conversation please we are open to having guests on our podcast um, you can hit us up on Twitter Think Comply. And uh, I'll be posting our email addresses as well in the details on this podcast. So thanks, Ahmed, and hope you have a great day.
1: Thanks, Dagmar. Have a good one. Talk to you soon.